Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Kenny, how are you, brother? Top man. Mate, it's so great to have you on the show. Amongst other things, we're going to talk about meeting the IRA, the Irish Republican Army. Mm-hmm. It's not something a lot of veterans uh, can lay a claim to. Before we go there, I just want to say a massive thank you for all your support of our channel. You've been great, an mate. absolute bloody diamond. You always contribute positive comments. You're, you're a clearly a kind enlightened person kenny just tell us like why did you join the military and who who did you join and what and and how did it develop um a bit like everyone else really it's um army cadets Uh, i grew up in the isle of man so a very small community um everyone knows everyone um and the only way to get off the rock really was to you know join the forces because everyone else was joining the forces at that time so army cadets was the thing that got me into it and all my mates joining up around the same time 1987 88 so the big thing for me I, sh- I should have joined the royal navy to be honest because uh, my dad was a submariner so i did have me sights set on being a submariner like my dad but for some reason i mean the army cadets just took on me thought oh yeah my mates are going in you know 18 year old barely 18 uh got off the island for the first time on my own went to Sutton coalfield did me fitness and what have you they had the company Isle of Man to sign you up. And then I got me joined instructions to go to York at Strensel. Um, did me 16 weeks there. Um, and then went to battalion straight away. Uh, Northern Ireland training. Uh, straight out to South Armagh, in which I did um, all the OPs, helicopters in and out of Besbrook Mill, uh, which is all gone, by the way. I mean, I can explain that. It's all gone now. Lot. You, you wouldn't even recognise the place. It's just a mill now. Um, but yeah, I've seen a 200 pounder go off there when I was 18. But 19th birthday it was, my 19th birthday. I was in South Armagh. Uh, happy birthday, 200 pound bomb. Went off Ken- down the valley. Kenny, you haven't told us who, who did you join, mate? Oh, King's Own Royal Border Regiment. I was originally uh, King's Regiment, but um, I got rebadged while I was in training because I got coerced to do the go in the Cumbrian Regiment. You know, I went, all right. Yeah, I did the six month. And then obviously after the six months, South Armagh, I did the the Belize, Kenya, I went to Malaysia, I, I went all over the world uh, doing exercise in Canada, Armoured Mech and stuff. It was it was good. It was all right. And then, you know, halfway, th- it's sort of like the middle of my career there. It was um, a very long tour, uh, three years in Derry, in which, you know, I'd, I'd seen a lot of stuff in that time. That's a long time to be in, in conflict, you know. We were permanently based there and I was out all the time, you know. So I was, you know, blown up by a 500 pound bomb homemade bomb, pipe bombed, uh, being in all the public order, you know, seeing beer kegs getting thrown at you and all that, and, you know, stagging on and what have you. And when you look back, you think, freaking hell, you know, that's, that was a long time out of your life to be doing something like that. And uh, I won't go on about the post-traumatic stress and whatever, that's a different story, you know, that's a different subject that you can go on to. But, yeah, years later, it does affect you. It does affect you. Uh, but you don't realise because back back then, like you, when when we joined in the, in the late eighties, uh, there was nothing, no support, nothing like that. There was a, just get on with it, you know. What I mean, you're funny, you know. Here's a radio, get on with it. This, this, is uh, Yahoo, yeah. And the bullying was quite rife back then. I'm not going to say it wasn't. It was. The bullying was horrendous. But they just got on with it. I mean, did me time. I did a long. T- I did twelve years and went back in for another six down at um. I just did deep cut. <laughs> yeah. Um. I know all about the deep cut thing. I did an article on that when I was there and when I got involved with Veterans for Peace, I, I did an article on that. Exactly. I found out exactly what was going on there. And I did an article for the families. Um, and then I had like um, an objection to it because I was going to do me 22, but I thought they, they, they turned around to me and said, right, we want you to train them up on the snatch vehicles. And I said, no, nah, I'm not doing it. And I said, why not? So I was the first one to get blown up in one of them. Yeah, the crap. They come out with all this fancy. We could throw a six foot picket down it bounces off the bonnet. Yeehaw. It's, it won't roll. It won't this, that, and the other. It was absolute crap. 
and that's where they got the name Mobile Coffins when they started to go to Iraq and Afghanistan and now I was like there's no way I'm teaching anyone to do top cover and stuff on them they're just absolute death traps and um, I thought you know what I just I've, I've got my kids and I've got a house and that and I thought sod it you know what I mean I, I've had it you know I'm out I'm out I mean I could have done me 22 but I thought no fuck it my family's first and that, that's always been number one my kids you know no matter what job you do in life you know, your number one priority is your kids. Yeah. And I just thought, yeah, sod it. I'm out. So I just left it. And then years went by and you go to the centre tap for your medals. You put your medals on your kids, you know, and let them stand there. And over the years, you've seen it getting, you know, maybe about 50, 60 people at our centre tap would be there and the band and what have you. And over the years, it got big. After Iraq and Afghanistan kicked in, um, you start to see the crowd getting bigger and bigger and bigger, do you know? Because of the, the amount of lives lost in that conflict. And um, I had a moment when I was into, like when, when you were talking about Richard Hall, about 2009, I started watching Richard on Sky and then he went to uh, his own channel. And I started to dig deep a bit into what he was saying. It was like, watch 7-7 seven, seven Ripple Effect. And I watched that and I went, right. And then something else and something else. And you put the pieces together and you were like, what the hell's going on here? Why, why, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Why? And you start to see the bigger picture. And it takes a lot of research to get into it. You can't just say to someone, yeah, right, and this, and they'll go well, straight in one ear out the other. You know, you, you've really got to dig deep and, and, and wake up to it, you know. But um, at 2013, I think it was, I just, I'd had enough, you know. And then it was at the Remembrance parade where I just threw my medals at the centre tap in front of everyone and just said uh, look uh, peace not war, stop glorifying war because it's exactly what you're doing you're glorifying war and um, it was it was in the article on the Northern Echo, one man and his dog because I took my little dog there so I had my dog on the lead <laughs> and uh, they ushered me to one side and then yeah they took me to the cells for the night which was nah, not bothered, you know what I mean I had to do it, it was one of them moments where you had to just do it which inspired um ben ben griffin and the guys to do that at downing street and another another one when they started bombing syria they did the same thing and that's all on youtube that so i inspired ben to yeah do it man do it you know um yeah that was 2013 i then joined veterans for peace with uh, ben griffin and it was it was in the early days that when it just started there was only about 20 30 of us uh, nationwide you know and um we went down to london and it kicked off with um doing an annual convention every year and then doing the the white poppy brief never again for the banner and what have you at the center taff i've got to meet like Stu griffith um joe joe who was on your show um spike uh, the poet all these wonderful people like Gus Hales and, and absolute legends. Do you know? When you meet some people that are on the same wavelength, it's great. You know what I mean? And um, we started doing things, you know, uh, giving lectures, uh, going here and there and, and, and telling your story, really. You know what I mean? Ben was very um, into going to the schools at the time and sitting down with kids and telling the reality of the warfare and stuff like that. And um I got to go to a couple of schools locally and do a few things, but it got to a stage where um, I just wasn't getting the support. You know, there wasn't anyone in my area really that could support, you know, if you're on your own, it's very difficult. You know, it, it's, you know, you just, you're just like, hello, you know, I'm on my own. <laughs> I'm going to do this. And I thought, oh God, no. So I was more like step back and just talk to people and what have you, you know what I mean? And then, Lo and behold, 2014, I did a comment on um, on Northern Ireland on our website, and um, we got a reply of um, a girl, uh, Fiona Gallagher, replied and said, uh, "Oh, I'm glad to hear this, that, and the other. It's it's so sad and blah blah blah." And I was like, "Right, right I just messaged her back." But she actually got in touch with the guys who live in Northern Ireland, like Lee and um, who's the other guy, Kieran. Who, who live over there and they were very involved and stuff and it just sort of like filtered in and somehow ben rang me up and said look kenny do you want to go to northern ireland on a different kind of tour so we've got this all jacked up like you know we're going to meet this and we're going to do this and that and the other and i said uh, uh yeah and then it was like 
when you think about it, it was like, hello, Ben. It was like, uh, I don't want to go, mate. I don't want to go. Do you know what I mean? I was there a long time, mate. And I, I don't want to do this. You know? And he was like, no, mate, they want to meet you. They want to meet you. You're perfectly safe. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And uh, Gus had that moment as well. Gus Hales. He had, he had the same feeling. Um, that the too much had got. I was like, oh, mate, it's so hard to do that, you know? Um, so we got coerced into doing it. He got the plane tickets jacked up and what have you. And it was like, it was like 90 mile an hour. Do you know, it was four days and it's all on YouTube, different kind of tour with Veterans for Peace. And um, the minute we got off the aircraft, we were met by um, Shauna Bretham, I think he is. He's the uh, Republican ex-prisoner support group. And um, he sat down with a cup of tea in Belfast Airport and said, look, guys, you're completely safe. Everyone wants to meet you. And um, you've got nothing to worry about. All right, boys. And we were like, yeah, OK, cool. Let's go. And it was straight to Derry. I mean, literally get in a car, boom, straight to Derry. And then um, on the video on them, a different kind of tree, you can, you can see my eyes are like, yeah, bloody hell. You know, like freaking hell. I'm, I'm sat down with, you know, the, the, the victims of Bloody Sunday. And I'm going around the museum with the guy who actually says, look, we're not political or anything here. We're about the community. This is what the community went through. And uh, shoulders where the rounds went off on on the bog side, and it was all ninety mile an hour. You know, I was I was in awe. Like, how could I be here? I'm like, it was twenty odd years since I was there, and I'm like, studying, like having a chat with them. You know, <laughs> I'm like, what the hell's going on? It was surreal. Um, we sat down. I had a brief moment where I, I was, you know, I, I talked about throwing my medals back and what have you on the video, but. Um, and I was quite emotional doing what I did, you know. It was very emotional for me. Um, went down to Belfast on, on you can see on the video we meet a lot of ex-prisoners, um, former former IRA. They 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 explain it a lot better on the video um, rather than me going into it, you know. Um, and they were all they were all about it's all about the community, and it was a community and conflict and how they how they reacted to that, you know. So they said. Um, their aim was basically to get the British Army out. You know, that's what they all said, is to get them out. We're, we're sick of this. They're in our community. They're doing this, they're doing that, and we're not, we're not having it, you know. And that was one of the reasons why they, at a very young age, when they say, they were 16, 17 when they joined up, you know what I mean, when they joined the the, the Pyra and what have you. And their stories on YouTube, you know, when, when, you, when you listen to them, it's like, bloody hell, you know. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. And... Um, when you go on the tour down the wall with that, that guy Danny and he explains about the wall in Belfast and um he's got the museum and stuff as well where they show you the cells from the H block and how they used to live in the H block and what they used to get up to and you know flags out the window to communicate with the families and stuff and um yeah that that that's on YouTube and then straight after the Belfast I mean in Belfast we went with the Lord Mayor we went down to see the um the the shooting. Do you remember the shooting with the with the um not long after the SAS killed uh, the Pyra members in um, Gibraltar, and you had the you had the funeral. And they, they actually said they were going to run a commentary, and actually said um, the police pulled back. You know, they actually pulled back to let them get on with it because it was so touchy feely at that time. They, you know, the, the tension was through the roof, and all of a sudden it was that guy Stone, wasn't it, with a with a pistol and a grenade, Michael. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they give you a walkthrough, talk through. He gave us a walkthrough, talk through on the actual, you can actually still see them, you know. And um, he, he told you where they got them. And, where, and when you look at the video, you're like, all oh, right. So they, they got them at the bottom there. The police got him uh, because they were so far out, you know, standing back and let them do their thing. You know what I mean? But um, well, that was fascinating. It was like they were, they were shown as the memorials and stuff like that. And then we were on the Falls Road with... Um, some more community members that um, I brought a lot of books and stuff. Um, yeah, that was interesting. So we're actually in the, we went to the community centre in uh, on their Falls Road, you know, and we're, we're sat there and we're just having a chat with these people. They wanted to meet us and we, we just explained what it was like from our side. You know, we were young lads. We joined up. We didn't know what was going on. We, we, we thought they were the bad men, you know, oh, the boogeyman and all that. You know, they're, they're terrible, these people. They're, they're doing this, they're doing that. And, you didn't understand why they were doing it or what what was driving them or anything. You didn't know anything about politics or anything at that age, you know. Um, and on the video, you can actually see Ben explaining 
like he does uh, several times. You can see the women in the background there, but they just get a reaction. You know, as if instantly the back there, when Ben starts talking about it, you, you can see them on the table. They go, whoa, you can see the woman, <laughs> you know, she's having an instant flashback to what it was like back then. Um, and they try and mix with the communities now. So they, they, there's no trouble anymore. There's no, there's, there's nothing there to, to really go at. So it, it, between, you know, the Red Hand Gang and, and the Pyramid, they, they, they all come together now. There's very little violence that goes on. Maybe on the marches, a little bit will happen, you know, during summer. But um, it, it was nice to see, you know, nice to listen to them actually take it on board, you know. Um, on the way down to um, Belfast University, we actually got in a car with a guy and um, Lee turned around to me and said, do you know who this is? I went, no. And he said, he's one of the H-Block guys that got out the H-Block and all of this. So on the way to the university, <laughs> I said, well, what, what happened? Like? And he said, well, our main concern was um, just to get out. Do you know, we weren't there to hurt the, the guards or anything. We were just um, there to just get out. So we, we made a plan. And he said, uh, and we took hostages and whatever, and we got out. And then it was, um, they didn't know what to do. Once they were out, they were like, what do we do now? <laughs> and they just legged it. And he wound up in the States for a couple of years. And then um, he, he got found. And then he went to uh, Boston. He, he went locked. He got locked up in Boston, and he turned around to me, and I said, "Well, what was what was that like then? Because that's like proper. They're well into that, you know what I mean? The Boston." And he turned around, and he said, "Well, put it this way: I was in a I was in a cell with the Don, and I was like, whoa." And he says, "Yeah," and he said, "I, I didn't do much work." He said, um, "I bump the floors now and then." And uh, he got this. Uh, the the governor at the time shouted over to him and said, uh, "In my office." And he said, "What for?" He said, "In my office now. I hate you." He says, why? He says, look at that window. And he looked out the window and they'd named a street after him. And I was <laughs> this guy in the car going, eh? They named the street after you. And then uh, that was on the way to see um, uh, Pat McGee. So Pat McGee, if anyone doesn't know, is the Brighton bomber. And um, him and Joe Berry, Joe Berry was the uh, daughter of one of the conservative uh, members that got killed in the Brighton bomb attack and they come together and they, they go all over the place um, talking about uh, the conflict and what it was like from his side of the, you know, he just seen the, the British army, uh, the government as the enemy, you know, and, and they explain, they come together and, and, and she realizes why he did that, you know, and she can come to some sort of peace, you know, with that. And they explain it all. And um, when we got to the Belfast, we had like, um, a mediator and then Pat and I was sat there and uh, they were just firing questions at him and he was answering obviously and at the end of it he says right guys he says um, come down to the pub tonight and, and have a drink with us and I says yeah no problem Pat so uh, we went down went into a pub and it was an underground pub uh, all the Irish music and the tricklers and whatever and um, we looked over and this little white man sat in the corner and um, we were all right Pat yeah yeah, and we've got a Guinness, walked over, and there was no seats. And uh, he just turned around and said, hey, boys, there's the boys I've been talking about. Give them a seat. And they all got up, sat down, welcomed us. And we just had a piss up. You know what I mean? It was, you've got to stick to the Brighton bomber. Bloody hell. You know what I mean? And when you were meeting people, it was like, what the hell are we doing here? You know, it was it was 90 miles an hour. So I'm saying it was so fast in that four days. Um, we couldn't video <clears throat> at um, Cross McGlenn. Across McGlen, we went down, and there's a community hall down there, and it's lovely, and it really is nice. And they have like a little museum of uh, what it was like in South Armagh and what they got up to, and they had all the pictures of the the, the Romeo Towers, the Golf Towers, the the bases, and so they had lots of pictures. And uh, they do tours where they actually walk up onto the hills and they show you where the towers were and what have you, you know, and what it was like to be spied on basically for all that time. And then um, a guy called Danny, he was the guy. I mean, if a handshake could kill you, I mean, that when you met them, it was like, oh, it's like, what, you know, who are these boys coming here? How do you, you do? And we were like sitting down. I'm looking around, you know, looking for a window or something, thinking, oh, my God, we're going to get fucking taken away or something here. You know what I mean? What's going on here? And um, once Ben got up and started talking, they realized why we were there. You know what I mean? Who we were. We were. 
we weren't gobshites. We weren't, you know, we're nice guys. We're, we're here to discuss whatever, you know, anything you want, you know. And um, by about half an hour into it, you're, you're, like, you're like that. It's like you said, you know, you, you, um, you can meet anyone in the world, don't you? You say you can meet a Russian and you think the Russians are the bogeyman, but, you know, give it 10 minutes and you're having a beer and you're cracking on, you know what I mean? And it's exa that's exactly what it was like. It was kind of nervous, but once you got to know everyone, it was like, you know, I'm sat next door uh, in a in a minibus Sherpa, and we went over the border um, to see some memorials, and I was sat next to the blanket man, the guy that was in the cell next door to Bobby Sands, in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Next door on the hunger strike, and on the YouTube, you see another guy who's giving a talk, and and he he was a blanket man, and he, he was he was given about twelve hours to live. He he did it all the way, you know. And I was sat next to this old boy, and I didn't know, have a clue who he was. And he says, oh, I'm such, I, I, I was there, you know, I was there. What was it like? And, and they go into it, you know, what it was like and why they did it. And I was like, freaking hell, I'm sat next to a blanket, man. And I'm Ken, like, Ken, this guy, do, you know? can you just explain to our friends at home what, what, what the hunger strikes was about so they know what we're talking about? Oh, yeah, the, the, the blanket men, they basically, they wouldn't wear a, they wouldn't wear a uniform, a prison uniform, because they, they classed themselves as political prisoners. So... They uh, went on strike. They, they, they wore blankets, and uh, they, and and eventually they, they were trying to push, you know, get, get Sinn Fein in in, in part and get a voice in Parliament and stuff. So they went on uh, hunger strike, and uh, it was called a dirty protest. So they smeared the the crap all over the the cells and what have you. And um, they were telling us they were they were doing like code through the through the yelled um, central heating and stuff, and they were and. Because when they were on the process, they were like, they could, they could hear each other. So one person would um, sing a song or do a poem or something like that. So they kept themselves going by doing that. I mean, it must have been hellish living in your own, you know what I mean? With was just a blanket. Um, I mean, they did it like, but um, there's plenty of stuff on it on YouTube and stuff. But to sit down with someone and, and, and hear his side, it was like, you know what I mean? It was like, wow. And then. There was another guy that said it. he shot the um, shot the chopper down. Remember, remember, um, it back in our day, they had the Wessex, didn't they? The Wessex. I mean, used to get flying around in the Wessex helicopter, and one of them got shot down. Um, and uh, they denied it. The British Army denied it. They said, "Oh no, 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 shot, shot, didn't get shot down, didn't get shot down." And it said, "Bloody well did." Um, because I've seen the. He showed us the video of them all running away. You know, when they did it with the machine guns and what have you, and he showed the um, the tail fin. They actually got the tail fin in the museum. You know what I mean? So. Absolute rubbish. They did shoot it down, you know, and because um, the Chinook had to go and recover it and remember it. And um, yeah, they took us around. Where did they go? Um, they were on about, do you know when they used to do, um, like, uh, they used to get the oxyacetylene box, pack them with explosives and shoot them off. And uh, it was a mortar attack, wasn't it? Yeah, and they used to shoot them off and what have you. And we were at this, we were just over the border. And I said to this guy who was, um, I'll get onto who he was like. It was um, it was basically. Do you remember the signs that said sniper at work? Remember that? And he had the fifty cal sniper that was all in South Armagh at the time. And that uh, was it the was, uh, was it yeah. called the, the Garant that rifle? That mm. rifle, the Garant fifty. Yeah, cal, the yeah. fox. The fox, I think he was called. Um, it was like he was like the brigade commander, and he was telling us. I said, "Well, how how did you know how far it went? You know?" And he said, "We didn't." I said, so how did you, like, did you test them? He said, no, nah, we just lined them up, looked at it and just hit it. Or did, had a device where it's whoosh, just, just aim it at it. I thought, Jesus Christ, I, I didn't know. I thought you went down the south of the border and you knew exactly roughly where, where it would land. He says, nah, we just turn up, boom, and just hit it. I was like, flipping heck. I was like, holy crap, you know. I was like, okay. And then my, um, um, my oppo, uh, Jock, who was behind me when we got hit in Belfast, and he got hit three times, right, and and lived, I should say. Mm -hmm. he, he'd done a tour in the south, Kenny, and he said uh, you'd see the signposts on the road, and they had these fucking great holes through them where mm -hmm. where that the the sniper was yeah in his aiming. Do you, do you want to know a credible thing? You know, they talk about what is it three degrees of separation or something. Uh huh. I was on patrol on the New Lodge Road in Belfast and a bunch of kids come up, uh, Catholic kids, like, hey, mister, can we look through your sight? 
he used to love looking through the SUSAT site. Yeah, you know, right, yeah. Friends yeah. at home, it's your tele- telescopic site, right? So all these kids are looking through my SUSAT site, except one. Mm. And he stood off to the side, and he was so upset at what his mates were doing. He's like, don't give them your time. British thirds can leave them alone. I turned to him and I said, mate, come on, what, what's up? Is you put my daddy away? Well, I didn't. I ain't yeah, put I no. You, I, you. I, I, mean? I, I ain't put no one away. But, but yeah. You see so it, I said, yeah. so I said, Who, who's your daddy? He went, the Brighton bomber. It's surreal, isn't it? Isn't that mad? Yeah. You know, that that must have been Pat's son. Yeah. Yeah. He must be, you know, an old fella now, like me. <laughs> yeah, where that goes, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to chat to him. I would just love to chat to him. Well, I tell you what, we had um, in we went across McGlen and actually went back down to Besbrook as well. It's it's all gone. I mean, you wouldn't even know it was military down there now. It's just gone. It's just a field, and you were like, God, where's the where's the tarmac gone? And where's the you know heli Sanger and and all it all gone? You know, across McGlen, you've got literally the size of your kitchen of a helipad that used to be there, and that was one of the busiest heliports in the world at the time that was in and out in and out um but we weren't allowed to film down there obviously i was a bit dodgy um but we had a tour around cross mcglen and he was actually showing you where he fired and the big splat marks in the inside the pub and what have you and from behind gravestones and stuff like that and it, it was what it was, it was just telling you you know there was my firing point there's where I did this 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 and you're like freaking hell and because of the group we were in we were stood outside this RUC station and all the cameras just went whoosh like that. And I thought, hey, up. And Stewie was taking some pictures. Stu Griff was taking some pictures and what have you. And we said, uh, I wonder if they come out. And they all started laughing. We said, as soon as them cameras have gone on us and they've seen who stood outside the, the station, they'll just go, what's going on here? Do you know what I mean? What the hell's going on? Um, so we walked through Glossberg and we did that. And there was Les. And he's a, he's a, I wouldn't say he's a hippie. He's a very, very nice guy, former Royal Marine from the 70s, you know. And um, he remembers vividly um, having a go, uh, you know, getting getting a lot of crap off um, a farmer. And he was by this pub. And this um, farmer was having a right go at him for, like, messing his fences up and what have you. And he just stood there. And he was dead cool, he said. And uh, the the landlord came out. It was a woman. And she says, I'm, I'm very surprised at how cool you were and he turned around and he says well well we are doing it aren't we do you know what i mean we are trampling on his fields and knocking his fence down of course he's going to be angry and he always remembers that and um fast forward to, bloody hell he was there in the 70s you know and it's 2014 and we're, we're stood there and he's like i've got to go to this pub and one of the ex-prisoner guys says it's, it's still there it's down there so stewie and myself and and les went down and they just stood there by the front of the pub and he's looking in and that, you know, I said, oh, yes, hasn't changed and all this, you know. And this bloke walks out and um, opens the door and, uh, and Les turned around and said, um, hi, I'm Les. And, and, and as soon as he heard the accent, it was like, you're British. And he, and he turned around and said, yeah, well, I'm a former Royal Marine and um, we're with them guys there doing this, that and the other. And he, he looked around and went, are you really? Yeah. And he got all the lads out of the pub and went, they're with them. Look, all the all these guys and all and Stewie stood there with his camera going I thought that was going to go the wrong way do you know what I mean I thought that was going to go pear-shaped but as soon as they seen who we were with it was like boom it was like you're doing that holy crap and I and I said what we did in that four days was something that's never been done before you know and um I was saying to Ben why 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 haven't the the TV took took an interest in this and it, it was uh, Shauna, or Shana, whatever his name is, uh, the guy on the video, he turned around to us and said, um, they won't touch it, Kenny. They won't touch it. Because uh, they just won't. They won't do it. You know? Something like that, I, they won't do it. Can I just come in here, Kenny, and say, mm. just to highlight, you know, your bravery of going over there, basically. When, mm. when I served, we did our tour when we come home, right? We never ever went out of barracks mm. because that would have been a death sentence right yeah mm-hmm. we were in a, a we were in uh, north belfast 
um, place called Gerber Park for anyone that's watching. I had a crazy oppo. Dave, bless him, he's, he committed suicide not long after that tour. Um, he was that mental. He started knocking, if that's the right expression, knocking off a naffy bird. Mm. Right. So one of the girls in the pub, in inside the camp, friends, he'd started seeing, and he was that mental. He climbed in the boot of her car. He was a corporal, so he had a radio, and off he went. Yeah, obviously she was Protestant because that's just the way mm. things. The you know, if she yeah. was a, 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 a Catholic, rather, she would have been suffered the consequences. He went back to her place for a night out. Right. Still to this day, I think fuck me, that took balls or <laughs> <All> stupidity. Right? <laughs> There's no way I would have ever walked out that camp gate on my own without a weapon. No way. What do you used to do? I, I mean, know, I know yeah. that, 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 sorry, Kenny, I know that yeah. everybody is watching that gate. Mm. Mm. I know that the Irish Republican Army have got their spotters out, dickers as mm -hmm. we called, and they know every movement. I'd never, we also, my tour, was literally right after the the signalers when the signalers were executed right fucking vicious yeah. horrible yeah. now here's the thing after the tour some of our lads had to go back for court cases and i'm there thinking oh what what do you just like rock up at the airport you got a police entourage that's gonna protect you and did no you rocked up at that fucking airport you had to get on a bus and go to the court all, yeah. on, all on your un unbelievable, mate. Unbelievable. Yeah, still right? in trouble. You're on, yeah, yeah. Um, unbelievable. When I went back to Hong Kong after 15 years of having been there, and I, I, anyone that's familiar with my story, I was a doorman, like a nightclub doorman, for the Hong Kong triads. Then I wrote my memoir, Eating Smoke, about not just that experience, but uh, about my whole experience. When I went to back to Hong Kong after 15 years, I stood in that street in Wan Chai, which is the red light district, uh, gangland, clubland district in Hong Kong. And I'm looking at that club sign where I used to stand beneath it all those nights as a doorman. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> 15 years, you know, and I won't even say what protection that I you know, I, I just believe in looking after yourself, put it that way. I thought, right, do it, do it, do it. And I walked to the club. I went down the stairs where I stood so many times. I'm expecting that, that all my old work crew, the triads, are all still there. And they're going to go, you, you wrote my book. The guy on the door. All right, mate. He went, in you go. Yeah. I went down them stairs, mate, and I, my heart is beating. I'm thinking, I'm am I going to have to start fighting for my life soon? Right. I got in the club. I started to calm down a bit because I realized there's nobody there that I, even though I subsequently found out the triad big brother who employed me, who was my boss, right, also known as the most evil man in one chai, he was he was still a manager of a triad run club across the road. Right. I didn't know that, but I went in that club. There was nobody there. I walked around. I got my camera out. I took photos of where I used to be. And I even dared to have a drink at the bar, but all that time mate, I'm thinking of them signalers, you know, why am I saying this? I'm saying it, Kenny, because Jesus Christ, it's a brave old thing to do what you guys did. And I'm not suggesting mm. that in any way you were in danger from the Irish Republican army. No, we were perfectly safe, but it was so surreal. You know, I mean, I remember when they were going towards the free dairy bit and um, I couldn't help it. I thought, soddy, I'm going to the box side in. So I walked straight in the box side in and just had a mooch around and then, I thought, oh, but they're going down the community centre because I've been there so long in my, my previous time. I knew where they were going. You know what I mean? So I just, I just had a little mooch, like, didn't have a drink. I just had a little nosy around because you've been past it that many times and seen this bog side in, you know? I just had to go in. 
and then uh, you just got the it's kind of like um, like a western you know when you open the door it's like <laughs> ding, 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 ding. what's going on here then all right <laughs> you just walk in it was kind of that moment it was like hello hello all right see you later and then we just carried on with what we were doing but um oh god yeah yeah you had some moments in that where it was like what the hell is going on here do you know what's what's happening here there was so much going on you know penny let me ask you a question let me ask you a question when i when i was over there right and you know me mate i'm about Mm -hmm. peace love kindness empathy we are all the same people we are Mm. life experience itself in these bodies we are all the same me making war on my brother is the most stupid king concept right it just shows you're brainwashed by the bloody tv right and Mm -hmm. and and the big controllers when i saw jerry adams and and martin mcginnis uh you know rest in peace entering the peace process and I'm just going to tell you now what I was told when I was in, but I'm not saying this is true, but like mm. Martin apparently was in, in charge of all the drugs in Northern Ireland, right? Which is ironic because the RA would kneecap people if they were caught with drugs, but that's that's another thing. Um, I saw them enter in the peace process and I thought, what what is going on here? Have, have they got to the end of the tether with... I don't want to say the T word, but, you know, the rebellionism, the blowing up, they've realized mm. that can only go so far and yeah. they've got to go through political means now. Or is this something I don't understand here? Because I would have said there would never have been peace over there. S- not simply for the reason you've got this island and one little part of it is controlled by another country. I'm not making judgment. Like, don't fucking judge me on that, friends. You know, mm. I'm I'm not saying anything here. What I'm saying is, l- looking at it from an outside perspective, you got this island, a very proud island with an incredible history, and I I I appreciate Protestants make up that incredible history, and that is why I, I think this conversation is so is so valid. You know, so valid going forward. But I would never have said there would have been peace. And never. When when the peace process, the Good Friday come, I'm like, ah, fucking bullshit. Bullshit. The hatred I saw there. You know, Pat McGee's son, a, a prime example of as someone so young, you know, like my little boy, just so full of bitterness. There was no like, uh, mate, you your dad right. just like blew up the conservative party. There's there's people I, I don't know what the death toll would be. Was it Norman Tebbett was in a fucking wheelchair for a while and all this kind of shit? Like, do you not? I mean, obviously, I'm not going to have this conversation with a kid, but the the kind of thing is there. Like, do the people that have indoctrinated you realize this is not the best way to behave? What I'm getting at, Kenny, is like, I, I, I'm all for peace. I have no gripe whatsoever with the people that fired AK-47 rounds at me and they fired nine of them. They also launched mortar bombs at me while I was asleep. <laughs> so quite good fun, actually, but I probably shouldn't say that, you know, yeah, be, 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 because nobody got hurt except they actually yeah. knocked a kid off his bicycle. Yeah. Right. I got sniped at in the countryside up there uh, where, where the, the countryside is in Belfast, but we, I, I, a bullet like whizzed past my, do I have any, animosity no because we got to love all people we got to go forward with one humanity with life experience in itself it's nonsense it's nonsense to 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 have anger and bitterness towards anyone it does it just doesn't achieve anything yeah you can you can see on the video where the guy actually says i mean there's two of them one guy wouldn't have been out without the good friday agreement i mean he was in since the he'd been in jail twice he got arrested first in, in the early 70s got released 83 and by 86 he was in and he got released and he says that they all work together that community group on falls road and that the ex-prisoners they they get together with with the other side if you want and they discuss as a community what's going on so it's very community organized so there's a lot of stuff you don't see that's happening now yeah, and that's like I said, you, you, there's not a lot of, there's the odd dickhead, you know what I mean? 
uh, they do try and reel them in, if you know what I mean, because um, they don't want to go back to that. I mean, Christ, I went to Derry there and it was like, I'm going up the, the high street and everything, going to pubs, having a drink and then, you know, chatting to people and what have you. And it, not a problem. You wouldn't, you wouldn't really, you wouldn't know it went on. Fort George is gone. All on barracks. They have a big peace bridge going over there now. And it's, um, it's a cafe. Sorry, Ken. The, my mm. question is, like, how can these boys and girls let it go? This still is the fact remains that a part of that island, what they call the, you, you know, the United counties is, is controlled by another entity. And I'm, I'm again, I'm just going to say it again so we can delete all the dickheads in the comments. Mm. That, 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 you know, yeah. that want to keep like making war, which we don't. Yeah. How, how have they come to, you know, peace of heart about that? Or are we awaiting the next wave? Of I mean, I can't say on anything what I got told on the sly down there. I know stuff I can't say. Do you know what I mean? Because that's why we didn't film it. I can say off camera to you what goes on you know what i mean but i don't want the channel taken down if i say something here mate it'll just get ripped um but they say that, that some can't forgive but they can understand why they were doing it a bit like pat and joe they get together and and people are like why are they oh what's going on but she can forgive a lot of people can't forgive you know what i mean and they haven't got to that like you said that, that, that level of enlightenment where yes that shit went on but why did it go on and they can't understand you know You've got to move on for your kids' sake, for Christ's sake. Do you want them to go through that? Do you want your grandchildren to go through that? That's, do you want to, do you want your grandchildren to be stopped and fucking searched and what I did every day? Or have the have the bloody squaddies back on the streets fucking stopping you in the bloody street? Do you want to go back to that? Do you know what I mean? I think that when you see it now, I, I don't think it'll go back to that. Not now. Bloody hell, so much changed. Yeah, so much changed. You know, Belfast and, and Derry and that there. Totally revamped it, you know, re revitalized the whole place. It's nice, you know, you have some nice nights out, you know, some brilliant nightclubs and lovely restaurants, you know. Not a, it's kind of weird when you go back after being away for so long, it's like, wow, do you know what I mean? Wow, well, we're going in this pub, and it's, uh, you know, a lot of people from my regiment were turning around and saying, do you know where you are? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm having a pint with him, by the way. What? What? And they couldn't get it in the head what i was doing do you know what i mean they were like how come you're there and doing that kenny is uh, it, we 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 had a, a belfast reunion uh, it was a couple of years ago now before all this in scoby dovey bullshit right you know i'm rocking up there with my enlightened mindset you know i'm a free person i think what the fuck yeah. i want when i want because all i yeah. think is love that's it i love mm -hmm. you know and i'm chatting to this guy and oh my god He's like literally still living there back in 1988, yeah, uh, yeah. 89 rather. He's still yeah. living there. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, these kindies and these kind I'm like, oh, dude, can give it up. Yeah. You're Do you want to live like that for the rest of your life? Do you want to live that twisted shit in your head? Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, I'm going to relive this all the time. It's I know, I know you get post-traumatic and stuff about it, but it can't take over your life do you know what i mean you can't look back and and say well uh well i've got the bastards of this that, and the other think of the kids man we'll be long gone do you know what i mean and yeah. them children are gonna be there you know kenny but i think you and i will both agree on this had we lived there mm -hmm. we'd have been scrapping like fuck, wouldn't we i got that deleted off my post by the way um at the end of it i'd do a write-up to Oh, how was it for you? And I said at the end of it, I said, Jesus Christ. I said, if I was there, I'd have done exactly the bloody same. Because you don't know the crap they went through. Uh, you just go there for a six-month tour and come home and everything's cushy and you go away and you go on R&R &R and you you know, you know, go away on your nice tours to Kenya and Belize and have the odd... I mean, back in our day, you know, it was just Ireland, wasn't it? It was just Northern Ireland. And um, you have your six months and that's it. And then maybe do another tour in your career or something. And that was you, you know? But um, them guys day in, day out, living like that. Imagine your community, imagine your children getting stopped going to school, you know what I mean? Crying their eyes out, you know? Um, coming, but you know, seeing troops on the bloody, uh, you know, going in your house at four o'clock in the bloody morning for ra ratching through your bloody personal belongings. 
yeah, you, you've got to leave that shit behind, man. You've got to leave that shit. And that, that's what we did. We, we, we reached out to find out why they did it and what we were conditioned to do. Do you know what I mean? Because we were young lads, like I said, we were young lads conditioned to do this and we didn't have a clue what we were doing. We were getting told what to do. Yeah, if you do this, you act in this way, you act in that way. Yeah. Penny, let's come on to another thing then because I I, I completely understand now there'll be people Mm. watching this that are upset as fuck. Yeah, they would. I I remember when when I... um, our podcast is was it is Spud, isn't it? Veterans for Peace. Spud is it Spud? Spike. Spud. So, sorry, sorry, sorry. Spike. Bless, bless him. Very yeah. lovely, lovely man. You know. Yeah. And I podcast Spike. And fuck me. Some guy popped in the comment section of the video, going, "Right, Chris Rule, I'm reporting you to the Royal Marines. <laughs> right. <laughs> you are. You are a traitor. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> and." I didn't like to put that point out to go, no, Royal Marines are fucking legends, mate. We do what the fuck we want, when we want, mm. so, long as, so long as it's the right thing, you know? Yeah. And un, an unwritten law in the Royal Marines is the children always come first, whether that's Catholic, Protestant, who gives a shit, mm-hmm. right? That's what makes a real man. Not, 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 not your Hollywood view of what you think the British military is. You and I are on a different level, uh, Kenny. You know, we, our consciousness vibrates at a higher, um, in a higher dimension than most people. And I get it. Like you don't watch the news. <laughs> I haven't watched the news for like twenty years. Yeah, I've watched the telly in a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, because we understand it, it's it's fiction, you know. It's it's a version of the truth designed to to keep the people in slavery and to keep them angry about shit that happened like forty fucking years ago. Or that's why it's called television and your program, you're programmed. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of veterans live in their identity of of like I was eighteen and I got this coloured hat on my head or this medal, yeah. and and that is who I am. Yeah. And don't yeah. you fucking dare tell me that I'm not like this. Whereas you and I are like, fuck all that shit. That's like in the past. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mm. Kenny, don't, don't, you know, friends at home, don't go, uh, yeah. Am I, no, we're not pissing I, the, um, I, I, I'm, very, not I'm very, I'm yeah, very proud, not. very, very proud to have passed out as a Royal Marines commander. It's like the, probably the biggest thing in, to be yeah. accepted into training was like, I can mm. tell you now, it's like the biggest thing in my life. And it's still, and it will, it, it, I shouldn't say this, but even more so than when my son was born, you know, mm. because that is just yada, yada, yada. But, but to be accepted into the Royal Marines come, oh my Jesus in Christ, man. Mm. I, it put me from like a loser to, to a God. <laughs> so, so we're not here to slag anyone off, folks. What what I'm saying is you've got to leave that identity behind because it's no longer you. No, it's like I've got, I've got no disrespect for my battalion at all. I've had some good times in my battalion, you know, and they've been good to me. You know, I guess we went through some rough times, but that was part of what we did. Do you know what I mean? At, at that age, and you, in, you know, I was there all through my 20s, you know, and at 53, 54 year old, you look back and you think, yeah, that's some good times. I also had some dark times and they still play on you. Um, but you are what you are, you're, you're where you are. You know, like I say, you, you've, I've got no disrespect, no, for anybody that served in Northern Ireland. I mean, uh, you know, at that time, it was what it was. You know what I mean? But move on, for Christ's sake, move on. Where are we going in life? You know what I mean? Where are we going with this? <laughs> this is <laughs> Hey. If, if you go get it now, you won't. You know what I mean? It's like world events at the minute. It's just it's clown planet. Clown planet, mate. You know, you you threw your medals down the cenotaph. I got mine and I flicked it into my son's bedroom and I said, son, there you go. <laughs> you know, just play with that. I, and neither of us know where it is, right? I couldn't yeah. wear it. I could not wear a war trinket in... in yeah. In, in, and look myself in the mirror. It's a bullshit. There's Bad. an there's an elite up there, Kenny, that are controlling yeah. everything. They controlling everything. 
they mm-hmm. they're preventing <clears throat> people from uh, attaining enlightenment from b- attaining down. true beauty and true peace in life <clears throat> and one of the uh, one of their big ways of doing it is through is through war yeah. and conflict and keeping people thinking that there's yeah. an enemy out there there is no enemy the only enemy is ourselves mm. does that make sense we have nothing to fear but fear itself that's the thing um but yeah show show the videos of me with my underpants and all that that's the sort of thing you just take the piss out of it do you know what i mean start inverting it back at them do you know what i mean throwing it back at them ken just one last thing before we finish i i just want to say to uh to anyone viewing like i really hope you've enjoyed this podcast i i really have i i think these are the conversations that need to be had if there's anybody out there that was a remember a member of a republican group get in contact i'd love to chat with you you know this is about going forward for the next generation understanding uh, conflict is just it's never going to be the way um and I, I i think kenny and i have both shown we 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 hold no no malice to anyone malice in any way whatsoever because we love we love our kids and we mm. don't want them to live in that fucking fiasco that just suits certain politicians and certain corporations whatever whatever it might be so please get in touch come on the podcast and uh and let's chat and uh mm. and that said kenny absolute legend mate thank you so much for coming on the show you're more than welcome mate i mean you're the legend do you know what i mean you're you're pushing it mate you're pushing it you're getting there you get oh i am yeah i am i i'm i'm actually a massive legend thank you <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, mate, all, what, yeah, what, it's all for uh, the kids it's all for the kids mate yeah. i mean it's number one and like i say if you know, ex-soldiers that are watching, soldiers that are watching, it ain't about you. It's about your family and your children first. They are number one. Number two is your job. At the end of the day, it's a job. All right? Go and get another job. Yeah? What are you scared of? You're scared of this army pension, me this or other. What about your kids? You know? Yeah. In uh, 10 years' time when they've got a microchip in their hand and they're being enslaved to this WEF crap, you know? Um, what are you going to say then? What did you do, Dad? No, mate. Yeah. Too late. Too late. There's, there, mate, there's two kinds of yeah. people in the world. Those that have grown a pair of balls. Yeah, I know. And, and, and those that haven't. And, I think it's, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you only get one go yeah. at history. In, in this set of molecules, you get one go at history. What do you want to be remembered as? The gutless, yeah, exactly. cow, the gutless coward that went along with all the bullshit. Because uh, I kept my job and I'm, I keep doing my uh-huh. shopping in saying or the fucking legends that were like fuck you fuck this mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a load of bullshit i ain't doing it i ain't doing that's it that's 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 kenny you're a legend friends at home hope you've enjoyed this as much as i have if you can like and subscribe get in contact if you think you can add to this conversation much much love thank you friends thank you for listening to the bought the t-shirt podcast please like subscribe and share and don't forget to follow me on social media Username Chris Thrall. Instagram Chris Thank you.